You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Every week we bring you the information that doctors talk about in doctors' lounges all across the country so that we can prepare you for the uh, fight for healthcare freedom that you need to wage so you can advocate for yourself and for your family. This show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. The uh, show uh, is uh, supported by Docs for Patient Care Foundation, and we need your support. So go, please go to www.d the number four pcfoundation.org and please contribute generously. Today is a, a show that I wish I didn't have to do. Um, but uh, it's something that I, uh, in my heart, wanted to do, and it is a tribute show. On July 30th, the world lost one of the great ones in Herman Cain. He contracted COVID-19, and after an up-and-down course that lasted about a month, he succumbed to this silent killer. So today, I want to devote this show to Herman's memory and uh, dedicate it to him. I wrote a piece in Town Hall about Herman that was shared um, uh, on different social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and others, over 4,000 times and had over 9,000 likes. And I'd like to read it to set up the show today. So please... Bear with me and um, and uh, just listen. Herman Cain was my friend. Herman collected people. If you found your way into his world, you became part of his collection. There may be those who have had longer relationships with Herman or more, more personal relationships or closer relationships. But if Herman took an interest in you, he made you feel as though you were as important to him as anyone else in his life. My first encounter with Herman occurred in 2009 when he was a substitute radio show host for Neil Bortz on his nationally syndicated radio show. Herman was especially interested in health care reform, with some crediting him with torpedoing Hillary Care during a scathing rebuke in a 1993 forum held by President Bill Clinton. During the national Obamacare debate, Herman often devoted entire shows to this issue. As the founder of a national advocacy group, Docs for Patient Care, I found myself drawn into these on-air discussions. I became known to Herman as Dr. Hal, a name that stuck with me since that first phone call. I became a regular caller whenever he was on air, and Herman often relied upon me for the kind of inside baseball information on healthcare issues that a practicing physician with healthcare policy interests could provide. When Herman became a presidential candidate during the 2012 campaign, it was my great honor to support him. Docs for Patient Care brought together hundreds of doctors, and Herman came to address our group, exhorting us to fight for our patients and for our profession. He connected with us and understood how government control of health care would hurt patients and destroy American health care, which Herman, as a survivor of stage 4 colon cancer, openly acknowledged was the best in the world. 
During the 2012 campaign, when Herman was ascending in the polls, he was the victim of unsubstantiated claims of inappropriate behavior dating back to his days as the CEO of the National Restaurant Association. Rather than put his family through a painful process, he withdrew from the race and went back to broadcasting and political commentary. Herman took over Neil Bortz's show as a full-time host, and we continued discussing health care on air and off. Docs for Patient Care became a leading influence in the direct primary care movement, and Herman was completely behind this model of health care delivery. To him, it epitomized the kind of health care freedom that he always believed Americans were entitled to. He returned to speak at one of our large annual meetings in 2018 to a group of doctors that had left traditional medical practices to deliver health care directly to patients for an affordable monthly fee. Herman loved to learn about all of the innovative and entrepreneurial efforts that were taking place in health care. To him, this is what made American health care great. He was very optimistic about the future of health care provided that government just got out of the way. He believed that doctors, not government, not private equity, not hospitals, knew how to do health care best. He loved all of the deregulation that President Trump had pushed for and why he supported him in 2016 and why he was a leader of the Black Voices for Trump coalition in 2020. Herman was an American success story. He excelled in everything that he did. His resume is extraordinary. He was a successful businessman, the president of a national trade association, a member of the Kansas City Federal Reserve Board, a successful radio and TV personality, a political pundit, and a successful presidential candidate who withdrew to spare his family embarrassment. He was the worst nightmare to the political left, a black American who was able to succeed in everything that he attempted to do and who refused to be a victim. He was a, a, excuse me, he was a contradiction to the narrative that America was a racist country. Herman accomplished so much, and he did it with goodwill toward all, with humor, wit, optimism, and a strong faith in God and family. He should be held out as a role model on how to attain the American dream. It's ironic that Herman passed away on the same day that another great black American was laid to rest, John Lewis. These two men were both accomplished in their own right, having taken very different paths, but who both commanded respect and admiration from all who had known them both. Congressman Lewis blamed society for holding back people of color. Herman Cain flat out rejected that. He believed that anything is possible in America with the right attitude, desire, and work ethic. It's tragic that the media does not treat Herman Cain with the same reverence as John Lewis. Herman Cain was a national treasure, and he will be missed. I wish that there would be someone who can fill this huge void that he has left behind, but I strongly doubt it. God really did break the mold when he created Herman Cain. Herman Cain was my friend, and I will miss him dearly. And I thank you for allowing me to read that, for indulging me. You can get that 
Um, that op-ed on townhall.com. Just Google my name and you can uh, pull it up. And if you would share that with all your friends and contacts, I think that that would be nice. Herman was such a powerful individual who touched so many people and who had a profound influence on them. I'd like to now bring in Grace Marie Turner, a great friend of the show and of Docs for Patient Care, to share her thoughts and memories about Herman. But before I do, I want to go to audio clip number one. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for the introduction, Dr. Hal. I have a lot of friends in this room, so this is not like I don't know a lot of people here. And it's good to see Grace Marie, who spoke to you earlier this afternoon. We have been fighting this health care fight since the early 1990s. She helped me and my organization, the National Restaurant Association, defeat Hillary Care. And we thought it had gone away. But Grace Marie and I talked and said, no, it's not going away. Democrats, if one thing, they are patient. You see what they're trying to do now? They waited until 2010 before they shoved Obamacare down the throats of the American people. They were back with a vengeance. And that's what led to the downfall of the profession you thought you went to school for. Good morning, Grace Marie. Thanks for taking Good a few morning, minutes Dr. this morning. Sure. What a beautiful tribute to Herman that was. It's so moving so, so important, so accurate about this wonderful treasure of a man that we have lost. You know, I know that uh, you were a good friend of Herman's. Herman was, uh, you know, so, so uh, influential and so powerful. And he rose to prominence back in 1993 um, during the town hall that Bill Clinton held and is credited for driving a stake in the heart of Hillary Care. And you work with Herman on this. Can you uh, share with us your recollections from back then? He came from nowhere. No one, we really hadn't hadn't focused on the National Restaurant Association small businesses. There were so many different forces fighting um, fighting health, the Hillary Care government takeover of our health care system, and and he just nailed it when he was challenging. I I thought it was Hillary, but I guess it was it was President Clinton about the cost that would be that restaurants would have to bear as a result of the mandates and the the changes they were going to be making to the health care system. And he said, what am, what are we supposed to do? And here he was representing small not only restaurants, but small businesses everywhere so effectively. And he re- really became a spokesperson for for the the people who would be impacted by this law. He, all, he was brilliant. He was a brilliant and happy warrior, always. He brought humor, but so, so much intelligence to the many battles that he was engaged in. Subsequently, Jack Kemp, who I also had worked with for many years, asked Herman to be a member of the Tax Reform Commission. And I worked closely with him as I was executive, executive director of the, the Commission for Economic Growth and Tax Reform in 1995-96. And he was brilliant there, too. He understood business at, the, at every level and had been, really led to his 999 tax reform plan that, that he ran on for in, in his own presidential campaign in 20. 
2012, and he he could go deep on so many issues. He was he was really extraordinary. You're so right. They broke the mold after Herman, and yet he always brought such good will and humor to the battles, and and never spite. He was never he was never bitter. He was never sharp and cutting. He was always kind. He loved people, but he loved America, and he wanted the right thing for America, and always was trying and doing everything he could using this magnificent voice that he had, and I mean that on on many levels, to try to do the right thing for the country he loved. Going back to the tax um, policy that uh, that working with Jack Kemp helped shape his his views on on that. I've, I talked to him about this a bit. He he was very very knowledgeable about this, and he worked also with Neil Bortz and John Linder on the fair tax. They wrote the the book together, and that was another one of the um, one of the. Uh, popular alternative tax plans that was uh, introduced back in in the 1990s and early 2000s. And um, Herman really nailed it when he um, started, when he uh, synthesized all the information that he had accrued through his contacts with his 999 plan. And, um, you know, in, in, in talking with him about that, I think that, that people... Um, thought that it would work. People, you know, like Art Laffer, um, the the people um, who uh, who were uh, influential in uh, in in uh, in economics. Um, Larry Kudlow, the Club for Growth. These are all people who who supported that plan, and uh, and yet. The um, the criticism he received was was uh, I mean it was intense, wasn't it? It was, but you know it was based on a philosophy that that pervaded all of his his public policy work, and that is let's get the government out of the way. The government should not be picking winners and losers, whether we're talking about medicine or whether we're talking about tax policy. Create a level playing field for everyone, give everyone the same opportunities, and and let the rising tide lift all boats. That was the, the concept between his his tax reform plan and certainly behind his his many his great deal of work that he had done on health reform he wanted doctors and patients to be in charge of medical decisions not government bureaucrats and wherever he could find an opportunity to make that case he did that and that's i think why he so loved you and loved docs for patient care the docs for patient care foundation his his wonderful address to your group in 2018 where he really laid it out not only from his personal experience in hugely valuing the health sector and the physicians that treated him and allowed him to recover um, from from the stage four colon cancer that he described, and and his his respect for physicians who who have direct primary care practices because that allows them to 
to have that one-on-one relationship with, with patients without the interference of government. So whether you're talking about medicine or tax policy, it was the same idea. Get the government out of the way. So after, after you um, first met Herman during the Hillary Care um, era, um, t- t- share with us um, your, your, uh, your experiences working with Herman after that. How did you, I'm sure he came to you on numerous occasions to um, really help crystallize his ideas about health care. Well, he, yes, absolutely. He had me on his radio show a number of times, and that was that was always a way for him to bring experts in to educate not only him and brief him, but also his audiences. And so you really felt like you had an opportunity to, to help him understand issues that he may not live and breathe every day, but to really see where the debate was moving. And he was very supportive of our health, our work with the Health Policy Consensus Group. He said, thank you for bringing together so many different groups to come together around core ideas of consumer-driven health reform, patient-centered health reform. And he, he always wanted to know where, where was the debate, what was the next issue, whether or not it was the Medicare Modernization Act that allowed private plans to stay in Medicare, or whether or not it was the, um, the many different proposals that we've been talking about now, now our health care choices plan, always interested. How are you moving the needle? How are you advancing the debate? And I know that he was supportive of the many things that the administration has been doing over the last several months to really free the health sector from so many burdensome regulations that, uh, that really get in the way of people being able to do the right thing for patients, allow innovation to continue, and, and really give, give doctors and patients, once again, the opportunity to do what's right for patients, not what some government bureaucrat says they have to do. Always, always, that was the center of his, his, his philosophy, but he always wanted to know what's the next bill, what's the next policy proposal, so he could actively engage in that. And a lot, I mean, many, many people on Capitol Hill and in state capitals, as well as in the business community around the, around the country and really around the world, really respected Herman for his policy advice. You know, her, you, you, I, you've um, hit it, hit the nail on the head with, with that characterization of Herman, and he, he really wanted government out of health care. He had such disdain for Obamacare, and he also had equal disdain for the mainstream media. It's why his radio show and, and his television appearances were so important. They, they uh, enabled him to... Um, to uh, counter the narrative that was out there. Um, let's cue up uh, soundbite number four, David. And so very quickly, some people need to understand that health care and health insurance are two different things. Yeah. All you hear about in the public narrative is they call it health care reform. No, it's health insurance reform. And a lot of patients don't understand the difference because the liberal media does not want them to understand the difference. Jonathan Gruber, who was one of the architects of Obamacare, 
Although now Hillary claims that she doesn't know who he was. He was one of the architects of Obamacare. And I have him on tape that we play on my radio show constantly. We have him on a speed dial where he said, lack of transparency is a huge political advantage to a large extent because of the stupidity of the American people. He said that. But they don't play that on the nightly news. It was based upon the stupidity of the American people. And now the American people are drowning in the pains of Obamacare and all of the bureaucracy that it has spawned and all of the things that's making your life miserable get in between you and providing health care. Grace Marie, so I think that uh, that attitude that uh, Herman had <clears throat> about health care and the media is really what drove him to uh, run for president um, in uh, in 2012. Don't you agree? No, absolutely, because that was the year, that was a, really a crescendo year for, for Obamacare. It had passed two years earlier, but it wouldn't go into effect for two more years. So that was really our chance to, to turn the dial, to, to move in, in a much better direction. And he felt, because he really had a deep understanding of, of health reform and tax policy, which really overlap, and that he was really the right person to lead us into the, a, a new era of, of patient-centered health reform. And, and I believe that's right. And, you know, I, can I just tell a little story about Herman? He, he was, as he said during his speech to y'all, he said he's a Baptist preacher, and he always was able to come up with an analogy that was just perfect. And when we were talking about the tax reform back in the mid-'90s, and see, somebody said, well, you know, it's just like boiling frog. The frog will, you know, you just do it gradually, gradually, and then finally you've got a cooked frog, and, you know, and the frog never knows to jump out. And he said, no. He said, I tried to boil a frog. The frog jumps out of the pot. <laughs> and I just loved it because he was always so, so earthy and clear. And basically what he was saying is people will take care of themselves. You know, you put enough pressure on them, you've got to give them an escape. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to give people other options to get out of a system that was increasingly dominated by government. My colleague Mark Polly, a professor of economics at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, has done some research saying that 80% of our health sector is either directly or indirectly controlled by government at one level or another. And and it's so difficult now to escape. Herman really was the man who could have led us in a new direction had his campaign been selected successful. And he was he was such a threat to the left, as you said, Al. Such a threat to the left because he was brilliant he connected with people, he understand poli understood policy, and he would have brought huge new constituencies with them to see the world of opportunity that not only he lived, but that he wanted to create for millions, tens of millions more Americans. You know, I, <clears throat> I, as I said in my, in my op-ed that I read, or that I wrote and read, <clears throat> the, the, 
the um, comparison between him and John Lewis <clears throat> was was really startling. How the media handled that, and and I think that the the wrong the wrong people are elevated in in this country nowadays to um, to the if if the media had taken the time to to highlight Herman and to elevate him the way that they did John Lewis, I think that young people need role models, especially especially the uh, black community um, where they feel that uh, the the possibilities are are limited and and Herman is is uh, a great example of what's possible and, and and what what somebody can achieve coming from coming from nothing his mother was a, a domestic and his father was a chauffeur for for um, for uh, Woodruff from from coca-cola <clears throat> and uh, and so that's that's what young people need to hear about. That's the the kind of person they need to emulate. So true. He was he was such a such a wonderful role model and and such a such a, a people loving person, and yet lived and valued and relished the world of ideas and understood the impact of public policy on people's lives. And he wanted. He wanted it to, to, to he had a vision of how that could happen by getting government out of the way. And I just I'm so glad that you had him as your keynote speaker in twenty eighteen so that the hundreds of people in that audience and of course the the um, clip of the full speech is on your website. People can see the wisdom of this man, how much he loved your profession and particularly how much he loved the doctors that were in that room because they are the the free-thinking doctors who want to be able to spend their time taking care of patients, that he wanted to support that in every way he could. So he, he was really thrilled to have been invited to speak at your conference and talked about how how what good care you took of him, how what a wonderful uh, person Felicia was to work with and making all the arrangements. So I just I just felt so I felt both warmed and very sad when I rewatched that speech yesterday because I realized what we've lost. Yeah, I I I I feel exactly the same way. Um, I don't we're going to be going to a break in just a couple of minutes and I don't know if you have time to stay with us um grace marie i'm going to talk about some other things about his life and uh I, I would love for you to to you know be on the show with me and and recall some things but if you have to uh, uh sure. step off you know that um can you do you have any any uh any special stories that that uh that you recall about herman that uh you wish to share just how, when he was in the discussions with the Tax Reform Commission, we had, we had hearings all over the country, and Jack Kemp wanted to hear from people in, that were most oppressed by tax policy. We went to South Central L.A., we went to Harlem, and Herman attended every single one of those meetings, and in fact, 
two stories. We were getting ready to release the commission report in January of 2016, and two back-to-back snowstorms hit Washington. Well, Herman was on vacation over Christmas in Hawaii, and Herman got on an airplane, and he was the only one who actually got to Washington, and we had to delay it for a couple of days because nobody could get, couldn't even travel in the city, but Herman was so dedicated to this that he got on a plane all the way from Hawaii, managed to get to Washington in the middle of a snowstorm to be able to make sure he was there for the release of this report that he had worked so hard on. It actually was published as a book that uh, Unleashing America's Potential, uh, a plan for um, tax reform for Families for America. And it was it's a really wonderful report about the burden of the current tax system. And he was very proud of his work with it and really moved heaven and earth to get there, to be there for the release. Mm. Well, you know, everything that he did, he did with uh, gusto and enthusiasm and always um, it, it was... It was uh, uh, done perfectly, and he he was a a, a man who really uh, had very high standards, and uh, and he lived he 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 talked the talk, and he truly walked the walk. He did, and we actually one of our um, he he wanted us to come to Omaha when he was living there to um, have a one of our meetings, one of our tax reform commission hearings, and he organized a luncheon with Warren Buffett for the members of the Tax Reform Commission. So there were, what, 15 of us, a couple of economists, me and the members of the commission. There were, there were about 12 to 14 members. And, and we spent two hours with, with Warren Buffett talking about tax policy. So he, he really was always trying to figure out how can, we, how can we not only educate the members of the commission having a chance to spend two hours with Warren Buffett, but also how can we educate Warren Buffett on tax policy because his ideas were not in concert always no. with those of, of Herman no. and Jack Kemp and conservatives. Well, well, we're going to go to a, a hard break right now. We're, you're in the doctor's lounge. My special guest today is Grace Marie Turner, the CEO, president and founder of the Galen Institute, and we're having a tribute show to Herman Cain, so please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. And Dr. Mays was famous for some of his most powerful and impactful quotes. You'll probably find this one in the book that they've been so kind to give you. When Dr. Mays used to say, let it be borne in mind that the tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching your goals. The tragedy lies in having no goals to reach for. It's not a calamity. He said it's not a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled. But it is a calamity to have no dreams. We're back in the doctor's lounge. <clears throat> this is a tribute show today to uh, good friend Herman Cain. I've got uh, a good friend also with me to remember Herman uh, and uh, the great things that he did in his life. Uh, Grace Marie Turner, the CEO and uh, founder of the Galen Institute. What a life Herman had, didn't he, Grace Marie? He did. And he he was somebody who, if he were here now, he would say, never give up the fight. He said, it must always continue to fight for what you believe in. And here was this, I mean, talk about somebody who epitomized the American dream, as you said in your introduction. He was, he absolutely believed that anything was possible in America. Here, as you say, he came from the humblest of beginnings, but he had a family, parents, who taught him the value of of hard work, that if you are if you work hard you can can succeed and taught him that that education matters and they made huge sacrifices for him to be able to have have a good education and he worked hard not only at that education but looking for every opportunity he could and always setting goals as you'll hear when he taught in his speech that that he had a goal that that he was going to have a job that paid 
$20,000 a year. That, to him, was just almost un, um, unimaginable success from the humble beginnings. And he says in that speech, he said, you know, he says, yeah, we, we were poor. I know that now. He says, but we didn't really know it much then. We didn't have a TV set to compare ourselves. He says, we, we just had a, a happy, good, solid family and, and learned that if you work hard, you can succeed. And he knew that, that if he did that, if he continued to keep his eye on the goal and his, and he, he was promoted one of his early jobs. He got a job that paid $20,000 and $20,001. And he said, I'm on my way. <laughs> and he just never looked back. You know, it's, people probably really are unfamiliar with Herman's life and bio. And I'm going to just throw out some things that he's done because the uh, he's almost Horatio Alger in some ways. I mean, he's done so many different things and so much. You know, he, he was first person in his uh, family to go to college. He graduated from Morehouse College here in Atlanta, where I live and, and broadcast from. He had a degree in mathematics, so he was very, very um, uh, uh, smart in, in the STEM Issues and he was, he was a rocket scientist. He worked as a civilian for the Navy, and um, and when he uh, didn't have enough information to be able to do that job, he decided to get a master's degree in computer science and improve his his fund of knowledge. And uh, you know, from there, he worked for Coca Cola. I already you know mentioned about the. Uh, about the uh, 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 connection to Coca-Cola through uh, Robert Woodruff, who was the uh, chairman of, of Coca-Cola, the president of Coca-Cola, who Herman's father was a chauffeur for. And uh, after Coca-Cola, he, he took a job for, uh, with Pillsbury. And um, he managed um, a number of their restaurants over... over uh, 300 of, oh, 400 rather, of the Burger, Ch- Burger King stores in the Philadelphia area, and he, he um, successfully managed them and got the, the uh, attention of the executives at Pillsbury, who then thought, well, you know what, let's uh, see what he can do with our failing um, business, which was uh, Godfather Pizza. And he... Um, he uh, came in to Godfather Pizza. He arrived on April 1st, and he told everybody there that he, I'm Herman Cain, and this ain't no April Fool's joke. We are not dead. Our objective is to prove to Pillsbury and everyone else that we would survive. And they not only survived, but they thrived, and he and a number of individuals um, bought them out from Pillsbury in a leveraged buyout. And um, he went from there to um, the uh, uh, to the Federal Reserve Bank in Kansas City. Um, so when people tried to claim that he was not a suitable candidate when President Trump wanted him on the Fed, they fail to remember or they willfully ignore the fact that he was 
the uh, on the board of the Federal Reserve Bank in Kansas City, and he was actually the chairman um, from 1994 to 1996. And he was on the boards of major corporations, Nabisco, Whirlpool, Reader's Digest. And, uh, and then he decided that he would uh, get into politics. And, uh, and I guess that's when we all... You know, you learned about him earlier than I did because I learned about him, Grace Marie, from his radio show days um, well after his entry into politics. But in 2012, and this is one of my regrets that we don't have the um, the uh, any any um, uh, record, any film record or audio record of of his. Uh, of his speech to the doctors in 2012 when he first talked to us when he was running for president and we uh, and we supported him and uh, Frank Luntz back then the the pollster said that he is probably the most likable of all the Republican candidates don't underestimate likability and uh, how different things would have been if he was president Oh, that's so true, and and he, his likability was this you know beautiful veneer, but what a man of substance and accomplishment he was. The reason that he was able to rise through the ranks in his business career was because he was a brilliant financial manager, business manager. But yet, imagine that you're working for Herman. You loved the guy, and he was always looking. Whenever he, you know, Godfather's Pizza, wherever he, wherever he was, he was looking for those employees that he could bring up, that he could give the opportunities that he had that he had um, received when he was when he was working through his own career. In a very different time, it was a harder a harder time to succeed as a black man in America when he was a young man. But by determination, by good humor, by being incredibly smart, and by always keeping his eye on the goal, he was able to succeed and, and, and to prosper and to give so much to America. And he wanted to find people that he could mentor. And he was a fabulous boss. That's one of the reasons that wherever he went, the company started to prosper and flourish because people loved working for him. You and I knew him as a colleague, but he was also a fabulous boss. Yes, the people who worked for him adore him, adored him. They they would do anything for him. But, you know, what I... I, I, I th- have given this some thought, and it's very, it's very uh, um, interesting. That um, the what I like to sometimes think about the what ifs, and um, I I believe that President Trump is doing a very good job, and he's been he you, know, you you might not like the way he delivers the message, but if you can just look at everything that he's done. It is. It is really. I think um, he is. He's been so good for America. But I. I think. I, I like to think how life would have been different if Herman would have um, remained in the race. If this. If the media hadn't uh, tr- dis- totally tried to destroy him and he withdrew. I think that we wouldn't have 
Donald Trump because there would have been no need for Donald Trump. That's interesting. You know, and, and it really is true, Hal, that people, that the, the elitist media left is always demeaning the leaders on our side. They've said Ronald Reagan was stupid, and George W. Bush was an airhead. They said that, that President Ford even, going back to the 70s, that President Ford was a dunce. And now they're saying that Donald Trump is, an, is, is, is ignorant. These were all incredibly smart, accomplished men, mm-hmm. and Herman is 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 one of them. He is presidential caliber, but they can't stand it. They want to take down the leaders who connect with the people, but also have the substance of being able to advance ideas that made America great, and they can't stand it. And so they take down the the leaders that they see as a threat. And you're absolutely right. Herman was such a leader. This That was 2012, was the re-election year for Barack Obama. So you would have a, a black Democrat and a black Republican running against each other. Let's have that then be a war of ideas yes. and not be, a, you know, based upon what your characteristics are. And that's the way Her- Herman wanted it. He wanted people to be able to succeed on their merits. And he would have he would have been a fabulous candidate. And the media knew it and they couldn't have it. Yes. They they couldn't they couldn't uh, allow Herman against Obama because the playing field would be level. Right. And think about how much better race relations would be today. Think about how much better tax policy would be today, race especially. I just, I just, you know, I, I, uh, I lament at, at what could have been um, both if you would have had uh, an Obama who would have tried to heal and what would have been if Herman would have been president because he would have healed. That's exactly right. He, he, he hated divisiveness. He wanted everybody to be able to succeed no matter where you came from. If you worked hard and you focused on the kinds of things he did to get an education so that he could contribute in, in his business career and and work hard every single day, then he, he wanted to build policies into our government and to our country that, that would foster those goals. But, and what he would tell us here, I'm sure, Hal, is he would say, you must not give up. Yes, you're right. President Trump has some rough edges, but the people that he has brought into government at all different levels have those same convictions of wanting to make America a better place. And those are the things that I think we were seeing before the the coronavirus crisis. Mm -hmm. We were seeing the results of the policies. And, of course, Herman was very good friends with President Trump. And 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 the president learned from him. So the pre- Herman was advising this president, and in a way, working through him to help him see the ways to both communicate and to make to make the right decision. So that I I think that the Trump administration actually has is imbued with a lot of Herman's ideas, 
and and they were the things that are actually and were allowing this country to to create more jobs, particularly after having the lowest black unemployment rate in history, the lowest Hispanic unemployment rate, the incredible uh, growth of small businesses around the country, all decimated by terrible decisions. I know you've had other programs on this about management of the of the crisis. By do not ever let public health officials put them in charge of of the economy of this country because they're really decimating it by not looking at the the uh, protecting those populations that most need protection but that's another story but herman herman is i his ideas really have lived on in the trump administration and all of the people that are working tirelessly day and night to to make those ideas reality i was uh, i was the privilege to have been invited to the White House Christmas party this last year. And I sat at a table with uh, a man from the Department of Labor, a political appointee from the Department of Labor. I don't do a lot with the Department of Labor, but he said, you know, our philosophy is really different. He said other other administrations, they were they'd come into a mine and he was doing he dealt with mine safety. And he said they're always looking for trouble. What are you doing wrong here that we can shut you down? He said that's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is let's go in and see what we can do to make sure you're operating safely, to look ahead, to work as a partner with you, to make your workers safer, and to see what government can do to help you. Imagine that. And, but that is, the, that is the philosophy that you see throughout this administration. Does that get any attention? Absolutely not. But doesn't that sound a lot more like Herman? Oh, totally. Than, than you know, somebody that's going to come in from the left trying to shut down a mine? Oh, oh, 100%. You know, you brought up COVID just a couple of minutes ago, and the media has been so unkind to Herman. You know, at, the be- at best, they're saying that he brought his disease upon himself because he was a mask denier. Can you, can you imagine that, I mean, saying this thing about, about uh, someone uh, who contracted COVID, that they brought it on themselves? And it gets even worse than that. Some people are saying that President Trump is to blame for his death because of the, of the uh, event in Tulsa that uh, Herman attended and that uh, President Trump by um, by default having that killed him indirectly and the social media is even worse all of the truly despicable human waste that it's crawled out of their sewers are writing some of the most vile and disgusting things about Herman things that I choose not to even dignify by repeating on my show but how did we get to this level how did we sink so low and and the forces of evil are all around us, and Herman knew that. And he thought that through goodwill and and uh, wit and humor, he can lift up everyone around him to make them better. And he and that's and that's how he lived his life. And and uh, and what uh, and what he was all about. And I'm going to go to one soundbite right now. We're going to queue up number eight. Encourage them. 
to raise some cane. Get vocal. Call your representative and senators. And the message is simple. Support this president's agenda because his agenda is the people's agenda. He's trying to help you, help me, and help your profession. But he needs some pressure from the bottom. And that's what all of us can do. And that's what your patients can help do. And it wasn't just it wasn't just health care that he's talking about. Herman was talking about everything. Get involved. Be be an advocate for for what you um, believe in and what it, it truly is important to every American and, and don't let these forces of evil win. That's exactly right. As a, as a man of God, he certainly understand there are forces of good and forces of evil and he said we must work every day to make sure that the, the forces of good prevail. And and there, I can't even read the the vitriol in the media about about Herman. It is just as unconscionable. His family has said unequivocally that Herman was traveling a great deal over the two-week period during which he very likely got infected. So there's no way of knowing where he got this infection. And, and to say that it was because he attended a rally with President Trump is, is the family is saying that that's an outrageous, outrageous statement. And yes, it's tragic that we have lost Herman, but he he died doing what he loved getting out there having his voice heard working for change working for a better america and our i think our challenge and our charge is to really learn from that and for each one of us to think what is the opportunity that i'm going to have for my voice to be heard just like herman was first heard in that town hall in 1993 when he was challenging the the ideas about um, the the cost and the burden to small business of this government-run health care proposal, the, the Clinton care proposal. He knew that he had to fight that, and he just looked for that opportunity. He was just one person in the audience that, that got called on, and that's, that gave him national prom- prominence, and he used it in, in so many ways for good. And he very likely there would have been, if it hadn't been that, some other thing would have brought him to national prominence because because he he had that force, that power of wanting to have, of having the, a strong voice for good, and he looked for every opportunity to be able to make sure that people understood the the right way for this country to go and in in thousands of different ways through his radio program through all of his speeches through his work with his work with commissions and boards and small meetings always always is how can we help america to be better so that millions of lives not only in this country but around the planet can be better like his was Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I, I wish he was here so to hear what he would have to say about um, Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. I would have just absolutely just loved to have his opinions out there and heard what he would have to say. 
you know, there, um, Senator Kennedy from Mississippi was interviewed about Kamala. Uh, we're supposed to say Kamala. 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 Vice President Biden actually mispronounced her name yes, yesterday. Yes, he, he did. But it's Kamala. He's, he said, you know, she's like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but without the bartending experience. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the guy Lloyd Herman would have loved. Yes, too. he would have. Well, we've we've spent uh, an entire show um, remembering Herman Cain, and and this has been a show that I wish I didn't have to do, but I'm glad that I did it, and I'm glad that I did it with you today, Grace Marie uh, Grace Marie Turner, the president and founder of the Galen Institute. I'm going to close out the show. Um, and then come right back with a f- uh, one last statement with a story that he told at, at the meeting that we have uh, on YouTube that I thought was a, a great story. So um, let's, let's play that before we close out. This afternoon after lunch, I went and got a uh, cool beverage at the pool bar. <laughs> I didn't go swimming. <laughs> And there was a gentleman sitting at the bar. I didn't know him. And I sat down and we just started talking. We had talked for probably about 20 minutes. And he was a little leery about getting into politics because at first he didn't know me. He didn't know whether I was conservative, liberal or whatever. And so finally, about 20 minutes into the conversation, he said, oh, by the way, uh, my name is Daryl. I said, my name is Herman. He froze. He said, no shit. I said, yes, shit. (laughs) He, He froze. He said, what's your last name? Cain. The one I hear on the radio every day? Yep, I'm the one. He said, no, you're not. I said, so you calling me a liar. Do you know I had to show him my driver's license before he would believe me? It's bad when you think people know who you are. No, they don't. Then you got to prove who you are with your driver's license, okay? And then he says, so why are you here? I said, I'm, I'm here for a conference called... Docs for Patients Foundation. They're sponsoring a conference on direct patient care. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to talk about? I said, I'm going to talk about health care. He said, why did you come down to speak to 250 doctors? I told him there was about 250 y'all. I said, Dr. Hal asked me. He said, who the hell is Dr. Hal? I said, trust me, you'll hear about it next week on my radio show. But I want to thank Dr. Hal. I want to thank Felicia. I want to thank Beth. I want to thank everybody that has made my accommodations and my visit here absolutely wonderful and delightful. Thank you. And thank all of you. Herman was my friend. I'm sorry he is gone. I will miss him. Grace Marie, any last words you'd like to say? To just have all of us need to... Think about Herman, this wonderful man, this wonderful memory, the happy warrior that he was, and how much he would ask us to continue to do everything we can to fight for the freedom that he 
that really drove all of his work in business and in politics throughout his life. All of his speaking was about freedom and really freedom for doctors and patients. He loved you all and and wanted to support in every way he could. And he's really, he's an inspiration to me and will continue to be an inspiration to me. And I hope to everyone listening today and everyone who was in that audience in 2018. I couldn't have said it any better. Thank you for being with us today in the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and I'll be back with you in two weeks next week. Stay tuned for my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.